0: Welcome to the Drive Phase podcast, the best podcast for information on issues surrounding sports business in the Caribbean. On the Drive Phase, we have discussions with sport administrators, coaches, athletes and various stakeholders in the sporting industry and examine their contribution to sports and entrepreneurship. Here's your host, Dalton Myers. Thanks as always, Colleen. His voice is recognized across the Caribbean, uh, across the entire region, and he's considered an expert in sports, especially track and field. Funny enough, he's also a very good table tennis player. He's a track and field commentator, a gliener, opinion columnist, and also an author. This is our 27th episode of the Drive Phase podcast, and our guest is Hubert Lawrence. Hubert is a repository of everything track and field he's a liverpool fan and he knows everything about sport both locally and internationally and has written extensively on both the history of the sport as well as carve-out statistics of athletes no matter the discipline in fact there is none like him regionally hubert welcome
1: um thank you very much it's good to be on on the show um, I'm in the blocks. The dry phase. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, well, let's get started. Hubert, you—most persons know you as a as a track and field analyst, but you do do a bit of table tennis, don't you?
1: Yeah, um, started playing when I was little. Played football as my main sport, and eventually migrated to being primarily a table tennis player, played for my school, played for my parish <laughs> a little bit, played for Ewing, I'm a Pelican, and um, still, still playing now. I mean, there's no body crunching tackles in table tennis, so <laughs> those veterans can keep on going. A-
0: and school is St. Jago.
1: Yep. Um, fantastic school. Um, to 1744, a lot of history in that school and a lot of commitment to Jamaica. Um, in everything we do
0: yeah, so so out of um, the, you went to UE uh, you have been doing sport commentary for a while uh, sport journalism, certainly uh, since the the eighties. Well this is before Roshika, of course. Uh, <laughs> talk a little bit about how that started.
1: My, my, my lifelong occupation is public relations. Um, when I left six Farm, my Karamak was just maybe one year old I applied and got there and studied communication social sciences with radio as my major and when i left UAE, i went to work in generally speaking public relations types jobs parallel to that i love sports right through from from high school did a famous sports day double class 1 1500 meters and then long jump lost the bert cameron at school and i've loved track all my life all sports but in particular track and field um, in the mid nineteen eighties or so, I began to write for something called the Twin City Sun. Maurice Garrison, his daughter Terran Garrison, the Miss Jamaica Body Beautiful champion, a couple years back, a couple decades back, um, he had a newspaper. He was Gleaner Daily News, Twin City Sun, which was covering Saint Catherine and Portmore. Um, TV was weird. Yeah. Um, in the late eighties, I met John Messam, my bosom friend, and. After he retired after the 88 Olympic trials, he came up with an idea to have a track meet focused on field events. I said, it'll never work. We'll have to put some running in it. And the National Hurdles and Field Events Championships was born. Oh, okay. Three years in, he wanted to do a TV show to show the meet on television. And I got um, in touch with, he put me in touch with video stills, Marie Francis, her son, Sheldon Davids, um, Laurie Dillon, Heavy D, Talawa, Greg Lopez, and they taught me TV that 1991 year. We did Western Relays, Gibson Relays, Champs, Junior um, Panams in Kingston, and I've been doing commentary ever since then. Wow!
0: Yeah, and some names you you, you just call These are some stalwarts in the business.
1: Yeah, um, Marie Mary is literally the mother of modern televised track and field with a lot of work on camera angles and how things should look. And um, so the viewer really felt that they were at trackside getting a perfect view of what was happening.
0: In in terms of continuing and certainly in in, in commentary, what about it though, Hubert? that kind of, you know, keep you going?
1: Track is exciting. Track is one of those sports where the objective is very simple. You run faster, you jump higher, you throw further, you jump further than the other person, and I think everyone can understand it. And so, the the role of the commentator, the role of the analyst, is to give the viewer additional detail that they cannot see. Especially, we're talking on television, really a bit different. Then you're doing everything: the color, the the sound, the the pace the visual change of gear that the person can't see when you are ready very exciting to the radio commentary and television where the person can see it you have to add an in the internet age
0: yeah
1: you have to give value-added information that the person cannot find easily on wikipedia so as we have gone through into this century covering track it's more of a challenge but if you work at it you can manage
0: Let me just ask you this, Hubert. I mean, we're in a digital age, but you still remain relevant, uh, no matter what is happening. Uh, how do you go about preparing for for each of these assignments to ensure that you add something different to to each commentary session?
1: It's like it's like training for 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 a track meet. You have to give it some time in your life every day. <laughs> you have to put in some work every day. God gives you a new day, you put in an hour of work watching at least the standard reading, your track and field news, your your BBC, your Athletics Weekly, whatever you read, um and watch track and field every day. And then after that, during track season, go to a track meet every week. Stay the whole day. Um, in those spaces, Kirkfine, Stets those types of spaces, GC Foster, walk around from station to station. So don't just stay in the stands and watch what's on the track. Go around the back at GC Foster and watch the throws. At Uemona Bowl, move around. The throws are down the back. Take a look there. And so you can get to see and get to feel close up what people are doing at every station. And if you have the time, the track and field family is very friendly and accommodating. If you can, once in a while, go to practice. Carry on here. Don't give any trouble. (laughs) Just go to practice and you can learn from the people who make the champions how this work is done. And that's that's, what I've done and that's what I recommend.
0: I I, I didn't have this one for you, Hubert, but how how do we get the next Hubert Lawrence? Now, certainly there there are some youngsters coming up who are... He's
1: on his way. He's on his way. There's a young man called Ricardo Chambers. I was just going to talk about Ricardo. He is fantastic. He has still potential to tap in the future. Um, He works hard, studies hard. um, Is connected to a generation of track and field athletes that that, that are going to be happy to talk to him about maybe indelicate stuff that the public needs to know. Mm Um some good guys out there. My generation, some very good guys, Lance and Wayne and young ken rain and Ian Andrews and there are a lot of people out there in my generation are really, really good. And I think Ricardo and doing Xtal and um some of my colleagues at TVJ Sports are very, very good as well. Some other guys elsewhere very, very good. Young um a whole group of people coming through. And I think once they keep putting in the work, um we're going to be well served um both by my generation and the new generation going forward
0: talk to me about working with persons like lance Whitaker, uh someone i admire a lot uh in terms of the sport or, or, or track and field commentary for that matter
1: lance um is always prepared we've done four olympics together world indoors remotely in Barbados, I think, 2004. Uh, I think then the Barbados Invitational, 2001. Melanie Walker beats Dion Hemmings in the four hurdles, and that's a changing of the guard in real terms. Lance is prepared. I've never known him to be late. He has a, a grasp of the moment, historically, does his own work, comes in ready to go. And I find that... And that big booming but clean Caribbean voice brings something special to the occasion. <laughs> uh, we've been together, and I turned to him I said, You know, we say you, you know, we just a little while ago. I said, What, what, what? Because he's caught up in it, and it's not pre planned and scripted. It is, he's thought about the moment, he's looked at all the possibilities, and like all the great commentators, he has a feel for the for the gravity of what's happened in front of him and what the viewer is seeing as well um i was there when he said turns on the big engine You using both makes it look easy and we're doing that it's, it's 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 wonderful to be i really feel like myself and that group including lance have been put in place at least in the first instance to cover the golden year of Jamaican track and field on TV, in books, in things that we write, and I think it's a mission that we've done well in.
0: Mm. Uh, so you've you done a lot on on radio, TV slash TV. I, I wanted to also turn my listeners' attention to your writing. You're a columnist in the in the Gleaner. No, you've you been doing writing for a while. Yeah. How much preparation goes into that, and just help us to understand the difference in terms of preparing to write a very good opinion column
1: versus a commentary? The the column is a little bit different. The column, sometimes you sit there and the cursor is blinking at you and you look at the clock and you're you're thinking (laughs) of the editor (laughs) saying, what's happening with this dude? And then suddenly something perfect pops into your head. A, B, sometimes there's something current happening. And uh, from where I'm sitting, in front of my keyboard, maybe there's more info the public needs to form an opinion. Um, Sometimes it's occasions coming up. This week, May 25th, the 100th birthday of Arthur Wint. So if you're writing a column, that's a possible subject. So it comes from all different directions. And when you first begin writing a column, you've been through it. Sometimes it's a little bit weird writing on the deadline pressure and maybe you don't have an idea picked out of the sky yet. But as the clock ticks on, the ideas come and flesh out. Um, different, sometimes sometimes a column picks itself, and you're researching for a couple of days, and you're right with research in front of you. Sometimes it pops out of midair down the stretch. But always trying to um, help people understand the issue. I think that's that's what I've tried to do in my column, help people understand the issues and uh, the consequence of action and uh, sometimes people are reading the column who don't have the background information. It's your job to put it in these 600 words and tell them.
0: And Another writing that you did, uh, Hubie, you, you have done um, Champs 100. Yep. Um, you have done The Power and the Glory Jamaican in, in, well, co-write the, the Power and the Glory Jamaican Jamaica and World Athletics from World War II to the Diamond League era. Uh, what went into those? Well, that's the first question. And the second one is, what, what is the next one
1: coming out? <laughs> <laughs> um, the, the funny thing is, is that during this this interruption to normal service, I've actually penned out an outline on on something that has been floating around in the ether for a few months or years. Um, I met Michael Brandt. When we were first farmers at Monk Street in 1972, both played table tennis, both are sports fans. Um, We've been buddies for a long, long time. And so we began to talk about, alongside my dear friend Brian Cummings, the power and the glory, which was to talk about Jamaica's journey in track and field, to put it in context, to have people understand its foundations. Why we're so good at what we're good at, and midway through that process, Issa asked me to do the Champs Hundred. Sat down at my desk again, did what we call a treatment, an outline of what the book might cover, and walk around in ideas for a couple of weeks, trying to figure how am I going to do this Champs One Hundred, and then when I finished, zapped it out to Mikey, and it took took form. This is late two thousand nine. And the book's there now, the book is logical. It follows work by Sir Herbert MacDonald, who did a champs history of boys champs from 1910 to 1970. It had to incorporate girls champs by that time. This this is in time for the 100th champs now. And um, I think the two books together give people a good sense of what has happened. At the same time, there's some other books out at the same time, great books by Scree Bertram. Uh, Matt Riggis has a nice book out on on sprinting, but these books they they take their place as well. um in both books and you know, special love to the Cummings boys and his and the families in both books, the images of Brian Cummings illuminate the work yeah, um, I met Brian long ago, went to curve the ninety five and on, a group of us thinking that we could step out and go to Karifta separately and go into Brian Cummings and Carole Beckford and Ian Andrews and Ron Daly and Casey Graham. So, well, you all had my same great idea. That's 25 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> uh, memories.
0: Uh, well, certainly for me, Brian Cummings, uh, I just pause, to recognize him. He, I don't even remember when I met Brian. All I know is that he has been there for a while and whenever we, we would meet up, it, there was always some advice, you know, um, about anything. And then I met Adam when Adam came back to Jamaica. Uh, I mean, I knew him before because he was, he was competing, but in terms of, you know, really a discussion, he came back and, and came to University of the West Indies.
1: And, you know, Brian and I used to have a lot, a lot more discussions. With Brian them. took a brilliant picture, Dalton of pepe goodison scoring the headed goal that took jamaica to the world cup was in the observer i bought that issue for myself as a collector just because the picture was so good and there is some happenstance with photography but you also have to be a sports fan yeah to sort of feel your way through the moment and have your camera ready and cocked immortalized the moment. The ball is on its way to the goal and Jamaica was on its way to the World Cup in the, in the office, late 1997. So that was Brian Cummings, sensational human being, fantastic photographer. Yeah, amazing.
0: The, the, the track and field, there, there have been some talks in Jamaica, Hubert, about track and field in Jamaica where it's at now compared to a few years ago. I'll, I'll go there in a few, but I wanted to ask you about the prospects, some of the young prospects that are in Jamaica and certainly the Caribbean, you know, uh, who are some of those that you're seeing and and how does it look for Jamaica for the next well, 2021, 2024?
1: I was at Carifta in the Cayman Islands last year. And uh, Jamaica did very well, as usual. And I think Jamaica has a very, very strong group of youngsters coming through. Um, Jamaicans are, are very concerned about sprinting. Um and I think we have a very strong men's sprint team on its way. Just like you go to the kitchen, you have to cook it. Yeah. You cannot have it before it's ready or it's gonna hurt your stomach. And I think this this young group, if you think back to Javon Matheson, Raheem Chambers, they're in college in the States now. Um, those are wonderfully gifted young men, and I think they're gonna be part of the future. The Calabar dream team. Um, every one of those boys. Think of the leader of like Tariq Wilson, Chris Taylor on the backstretch, third leg Michael Stevens, Deja Russell. Um, These are wonderfully gifted young men. Um, And I think in that cohort somewhere, um, Michael O'Hara is still training. He's hurdling more now. I've just watched him win a bronze medal in the World Juniors 2014. So these are not old people who could not mature into champion athletes for Jamaica on the men's side. The women's side, track, field, hurdles. Young Brittany Anderson, who was very tech for most of her champ's career, has just set a world junior record for the sprint hurdles. We're wonderful in the sprint hurdles. Two world champions. And the second one, Daniel Williams, is still active. Bronze in Doha in 2019. And I think with more to give as we get through to the 2021 Olympic Games. Um, the field looks good young Daniel Slowly and Marie Forbes formerly of Veritech and all those girls who want to be like Daniel Thomas dad. Yeah. So I think I think the spread is nice. Um, the triple jumpers have encouragement now because we have two great triple jumpers active right now. Sneaker Ricketts and Kimberly Williams. And lots of the young ladies are looking at them. There's a girl called Tamara Moncrief mm-hmm. formerly of Homewood. Double champs winner. Has a record in the triple jump. She's in college in the States now. So if we don't see them we get worried that they've disappeared <laughs> but sometimes if the long way around and come back to the front um yeah. i've just been talking to someone about the men's 4x4 and there's a feel that jamaica's men's 4x4 at some point in the future could run faster than two fifty four twenty nine which is, yes, the world record. Yeah. <laughs> because because you, can, you can see the forces are massed on the border, wearing black, green, and gold. You can see it coming. If they stay healthy and stay motivated. Um, finally, um, the national records at 800 are so old that they've gathered dust. Champs record broken last year. Two boys under 149, plus Giovanni James um, out of school, but under 149 during the same season. So there is some movement at distances outside of Jamaica's normal one, two, four sprint hurdles, four hurdles, four by one, four by four bracket. And of course, of our world champion, the long jump. The long jump has never been more healthy in Jamaica's history, where we have maybe half a dozen men some of them young men like Wayne Pinnock. If you read the dialogue on the Tennessee track and field website, that's where he's going for college, they feel like they've struck gold by recruiting Wayne Pinnock. And they're right. So I I think Jamaica's track and field is very, very healthy. Uh, I think we've gone through a transition. The old soldiers did so well, time, does what it does. But the new soldiers are gonna do very well as well. I think we just have to be patient. We rose again last year, three gold medals, but 12. Um, And I think we're gonna do better and better as as years go by, as the new soldiers come through. Women sprinting deep down to age 14. So much potential. You have a double world junior champion, it's not gonna be a junior anymore. Kevona Davis, Ashanti Moore, I mean, Sajika Steele. Tons of good people. There's a girl from Alvernia, Carletta Bernard. Watch that name? So lots of good people. Brianna Liston at San Diego, great coaching there. So, so many good youngsters on the boys' side, on the girls' side. And because we have champions in non-traditional events, we call them long jump, triple jump, waiting for the high jumpers to come. You're spreading out having a team that is broader, wider, and deeper.
0: And, and we've been having uh, young Tisana Hicklin uh, in the in the long jump also, who has been doing really well.
1: Absolutely. bronze at the Pan Am Games and uh, with a good coach out at GC Foster. And I think more to come from her.
0: And I, and I think one other thing, though, Hubert, uh, is, you, you know, somehow we, we have to also be patient. And it, it may just require a little bit more of us again this year because... Uh, some of our athletes, you know, will continue certainly in college until until next year, you know, obviously because of the pandemic this year.
1: Yeah, um, I don't think too many people are going to be going anywhere to take up school in August anytime soon, unless things radically change. But that settling process is more likely to start in January 2021. Um, some stay home, some are training at home, have joined local institutions or clubs, and maybe they can make progress more smoothly, but I think when you get to Olympics two thousand and twenty four, you will have a new team, a strong and powerful team.
0: Yeah Hubert, the COVID- 19 is something none of us expected. Uh, it It has really changed what we considered normal, and, and, and the new term now is the new normal, and, and track and feel is no exception. Uh what are you seeing out there, certainly from a Jamaican standpoint, certainly some of the, what I don't want to call it, the negative, the disadvantages, and, and certainly some of the advantages for track and field athletes, Jamaican track and field athletes?
1: Well, well, well let's, let's stay with the world first. Track and field is back. Um, this is the month of May, and twice in this month, I've seen innovative competitions in the pole vault. Yeah. Early in the month, the ultimate backyard pole vault challenge three pole vaulters three different locations joined together on a mechanism like that which we are using to deal with this particular conversation and uh, the idea by Vellini of france olympic champion 2012 came up with an idea to put the sport back in front of the people via the internet and two weeks later a version with ladies Mm-hmm. and by Steph Needy, the defending Olympic champion. So my other sport table tennis, they've had every weekend that different countries had made for streaming table tennis spectaculars that I've watched shot for shot. And so track and field and other sports are fighting back. Last weekend, there was a Norwegian record in the 5,000 meters by Jakob Ingebrigtsen of Norway. So, So the sport is coming back and it is coming back in a safe format that you can enjoy without worrying about getting hurt the long road to normal sport where you can order your ticket go and buy it come park inside the the stadium venues parking lot and file into a stadium venue and watch something all day that's some way off but the sport is back and innovative it may be good for us that we now have um, have to put our, wrap our heads around innovative ways to put the sport back in front of the people.
0: Yeah, The World Athletics have said that their aim is to have some, some, some track and field, certainly in the latter part of this year. Uh, do you think it's feasible, Hubert? Do you think you know, this will, will happen? Certainly they want to do diamond leagues, etc.
1: It would be great, but contingent on how safe it is out there, Um, And and it may be that having seen the pole vault challenges, Jamaica has had a number of virtual 5Ks as well. It may be that you can now have the activity Uh in the stadium venue and the fans be far away. Can you imagine the Champs grandstand, which holds 5,000 with instead 1,500 people, spaced out instead? Presumably, at least temperature tested on entry, so you can have the activity on the track. Every person has to get tested. Every person, every official, every athlete, every member of the support staff. It's a major undertaking. So I think the Diamond League, the return of sport, we've seen football come back in Germany. Everyone is going to be watching that as a blueprint. But I think we have to be sure that it's safe for us to go back en masse into gatherings of, of size.
0: Yeah, I think I think you're right. I think there, well, certainly for me, I would love to see track and field for many different reasons. Track and field return, um, but I'm I'm just really not sure. You know, I've said to many persons that I, I've I've already written off this season.
1: Anything that happens after this is is really a bonus. I think we have to take the hit. Um, if, let's We don't know. Let's suppose we make wonderful progress in the world with respect to containing this health challenge. And when we get to July, August, it really is very safe for us to gather again. If not, Dalton, we're looking at sport with no fans, sport with a few fans spaced out, and sport back to normal when everybody is full. Yeah, I think
0: I think you're right. I mean, I ca- I'm kind of dating this podcast, but while we're talking, there have been a lot of discussions about bringing back the the English Premier League, which y- you and I have interest there. Uh, Roshiko, our producer, is, has been calling for the season to be cancelled,
1: which is savage, if you ask me. Um, I don't think there, there's no Liverpool fan alive who would like to win this title and have people die because they went to watch a football game, because they went to play a football game. And I, and I think um, even though number the 19th title awaits Liverpool, you don't want to take the risk that someone would go to a football game or be on their way back home and get sick. So I think um, the, e, the EPL is watching the German FA to see how their restoration goes and see if it is indeed safe for them to have football. Can they have football without the fans? Can they have football with the fans spaced out? I think these are these are the things they're going to be looking at because what is a student without fans? But if the fans come and get sick and you win a football game, you win a football title, does that balance up the life of the fans? No. Yeah, uh, I'm with you on that. Even though, we're. Rashida- doesn't want Liverpool to win the title. More fire for your producer.
0: So. <laughs> Thank you, I appreciate it. <laughs> I have, support you, on, I have support you on that. <laughs> <laughs> for, for for the next four years, uh well, the three years starting next year, 21-22, going onwards, the the calendar is going to be pretty interesting because we start off with the twenty 20 Olympics in 2021, but a lot of shifting happening. Hubert, one of the shift is World Athletics. I'm going to come to Olympics soon, but World Athletics moves to 2022, which is the same time as a Commonwealth Games. Uh, what do you see happening there? Do you think most of the athletes are going to decide that they're going to the World Athletic Championships as opposed to Commonwealth Games, based on your experience?
1: Yeah, whenever you have clashes like that, um, I remember 2014, Shelley Fraser-Price and Usain both went there, but ran only four by ones. I think what you get in those, those meets used to be really meets that athletes aim at. I think what you'll get in 2022 is that the Young Brigade will go and put their toes in the water of international competition at the Commonwealth Games. It's gonna be difficult to ask people who are maybe the throwers will go, but I think largely your top stars, if you have any by that time, Elaine Thompson's by that time, should still be around and running fast. I think she will decide to do just one of the championships, not both of them, not back to back. Maybe if I were the head of the G3s, I might say four by one people have to come to Commonwealth so the team can get a running before the World Championship. But I'm not demanding that you do everything there. I remember 1987, when they had the Pan Am Games in America, Carl Lewis only did long jump and four by one, didn't do the 100 metres. So I think the athletes who have several events will do just one if they do go to the Commonwealth Games. And by and large, it will be a chance for the young brigade, your Mathesons, your Chambers, your, your Chris Taylor, You know, maybe by that time... Kevona Davis is in that group as well. Brianna Williams, that group. Um, some of your big four-by-four four four group, men and women, um, will choose to run one event or really at Commonwealth, but save the large effort for, for, for Eugene and the world champions. That's the sensible thing to happen. I don't think the j three is going to demand that people must go because it's going to be tight. Plus, in that season, we hope there'll be the Diamond League as well. So um, the top stars will defer and run just a cameo, really, leg or something, or just save themselves for the world champs.
0: A a, a spin-off from from a lot of the challenges now, uh, Hubert, is that a lot of athletes can't move cross borders to go to meets, may not, based on the immigration restrictions. Do you think we will now start to see more events in the U.S., more high-level track and field, um, in in the U.S., you know, not just the Diamond Leagues, but big events uh, that all athletes can participate in.
1: They have quite a few right now. Your Penn Relays, your Mount SAC, your, some of your indoor circuit, Milrose Games on the indoor circuit. But remember now, America had the Diamond League in New York up to quite recently. That's where Bolt set his first world record in 2008, 972. That meat doesn't exist anymore. That meat is now the Rabat Diamond League in, in Morocco. And so the question for there being more meats in the U.S., which I think World Athletics wants, is whether or not America really wants it, given that they have some big domestic sports which hold their attention. Um, if they could launch the new meat in the Olympic year when interest in athletics is high in the U.S. and worldwide, that might work and carry it for a while. But I've seen over the time, lots of meats designed with what you're talking about in mind, come and disappear. But the big meats there, your pen relays, your collegiate meats, your Mount SAC, your mineral on the indoors, your drake relays, same weekend as pen those are still big, have been big for many, 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 many generations. Yeah. Um, they squeeze out a couple more in the summer. <sighs> I, I'm not sure, yeah. based on the history of Americans being, as a group of people, much more interested in their domestic sports, the NBA, NFL, which are huge there. Ice hockey.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, uh, okay, a spiller from that question then is, can we have more meetings in the Caribbean? And the part B to that, obviously... Canada has tried a few, and probably we could talk about that in a few, but, you know, the ones in the Caribbean islands, they they have been struggling for a while, some in and out. You know, do you foresee us trying to have more in the Caribbean?
1: It'd be great. You have some long-standing meets in the Caribbean, Jamaican Invitational. There's a meet in Trinidad that's been around for a long time. Um, Some meets in the French-speaking Caribbean have been around for a long time. I think we need to... And this this overlaps to regional sport generally, regional football, regional cricket. We need to be able to find some sort of alliance with the travel industry that will move people um, in an affordable way. And because they're getting mass numbers of fans and um, and teams, Caribbean Champions League football, that type of thing, we need to be to move people. The issue is that it's expensive to move in the Caribbean. It's expensive. So if you're carrying, if you're moving 50 people, 200 people, should that be cheaper and everyone wins because you're getting people moving around and you can, with your service, people think of coming back to you again for more travel in the future. So that's a hurdle. It would be great to have a Caribbean, a bigger Caribbean circuit. Round about May or so, Jamaica has a couple meets in May. There meets in Guadeloupe in May. There's the Grenade Invitational in April. Can we find a way to make it into some sort of circuit with hotel and travel supporting it to the max? The Cayman Invitational is off and on. I've been there. Fantastic meet as well. I was there one day when both went down there and ran some fast races. And of course, the Calabar Dreams went 39.8 for four by one on mm-hmm. the 18 world record. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so so I, I think I think there's potential. But we need to cover some ground with travel and accommodation if you're moving large amounts of people.
0: Yeah. I want to bring it back home a bit now and ask you, do you think there's this age-old question, it's better for athletes to train overseas
1: or train in Jamaica? It's case by case. It is case by case. Um, Thomas Dodd has benefited immensely from going to Kent State in Chicago. Even though we have fantastic throws coaches here because it was better for her as an individual. I'm not sure that the coach there is better than the throws coaches here. But on a case-by-case individual basis, that was a better choice for Danielle. On the flick, Bolt stays home. fits Coleman Glenn Mills, the best sprinter of all time. So it is on a case-by-case basis, Kemoy Campbell, no distance running culture in Jamaica. So he goes to South Plains and Arkansas and ends up making a big time final and lowering all the records for Jamaica at 3,000, 5,000, and 10,000. So it's case by case. Um, And for those who are academically inclined, you have to max your choices. Does the Jamaican institution offer what you want to study as well as have the expertise in the event you want to run? So it's something that every athlete must sit down and properly consider with his or her family. A few years ago, I was advancing the idea that ISA should put up some sort of um, analysis of schools, US universities, and cross reference them, athletics, academics, weather. So without do influence from the coach by himself, local coach, foreign coach. So the family could look and pick out the school that had the right mix of academics, the right expertise in the coaching of your, your son's or your daughter's particular event, and the weather that you prefer. Or the geography. Do you want your son to be near to his uncle in Boston? Do you want your son to be near to his auntie in Florida? And that becomes a reason why you pick this school, not that school. Or should the person stay home because if they're too far from mommy, it's going to be a problem. So these are individual decisions that we have to make about each person. So it's not, it's not, it's not all one and not the other. It is individual based on the person, based on what they want to study, and based on the event they are good at in track and field.
0: Yeah, I I, I totally agree with you on that, Hubert. And I've said it many, many times. And as you know. At some point, I was head of sport at UW and I've always felt some athletes can stay home and some athletes should go to the States uh, or wherever they think is the best place for them in terms of education and opportunities. I think, as you rightly said, it's it's, it's, a, it's a case by case one and it's it's not a blanket thing for everyone.
1: And, and sometimes Dalton, because we have a long history of going abroad, we view, the choice of going abroad as being almost automatic, when it may not be the right thing for you, as an individual. And so it's a very important, cho- I mean, maybe we can profile people. You to the psychometric testing at a place I worked before call center to see if the person could hold up under the stress and so on. I mean, we need to do some sort of testing to see if the person can survive out in um, South Bend, Indiana. Um, <laughs> Corn Belt, USA. <laughs> I went once to Knoxville, Tennessee, to the NCAA championships. That's far out, rockaway. I mean, you really want to be out there, you know? Alabama, I mean, but maybe it's the right place for you at that time. Maybe the right coach is there for you at that time. Um, the right facilities, schools good at American football apparently are have a, a lot of resources. They can take good care of you in terms of having you travel into recovery, if you get injured, how they take care of you and so on. So it's the right choice for some and the right choice for others is to stay home. Remember now, Ati, Cameron, Wint, Roden, all went abroad and became great champions. Veronica Campbell, Omar McLeod. So there is a lot of good to be had from going to a U.S. scholarship. Yeah. Shelly Fraser Price, Asafa, Powell, Usain Bolt stayed home. Bridget Foster was abroad and came home. World champion, 2009. So it's individual. And sometimes they should go abroad and come back. Yeah. So they they benefit from both systems. So it is individual. Million Walker went abroad and came back. So it's individual. And it's an important choice that the person has to make. be this, t- this may be a tough one or easy one for you, depending.
0: You, you have been watching track and field for... <laughs> Many moons, as I said, before Roshika was born. Give me probably your top three champs moments. Whoa, um, three moments that you know you're like, yeah.
1: Champs 2010, centenary champs, no doubt um, it was one of those three. Um, completely astronomical championships, right down to the last step. Um, Ekstahl for Woolmans is carrying the baton. He doesn't go after the Marmory vertec because he knows that Woolmans just has to stay on its feet and be second and win the championship. And the girls' champs went down to the second to last event. Homewood won that time. Fantastic championships. Um, drama down to the last day, all the way going. I mean, nuts. Um, Boys' champs, 93. San Diego wins on the last step. <laughs> Orange Johnson goes past, I think Michael McDonough very technical and secure as a title for St. Jerry in 1993. Crazy. He took the sprint double, helped to win the 4 by one as well. And in that champs, Neil Gardner has the stadium transfixed. He's dressed in white with maroon and yellow trimmings and has the grandstand working with him (laughs) he's conducting the grandstand neil Gardner. he looks serious like a serious person all right he's he's an entertainer (laughs) Neil that's that's 1993 so that's that's two um whoa there are a series i think girls champ 86 Tech. All right, that's that's certainly one I didn't get to yeah, watch. Viertek, versus was eighty six San Diego, where San Diego drops the baton in the girls' class four and loses chance by those points because the does not make a mistake. Tons of moments, and at that, moment, uh, that time, beer was, was
0: was very dominant. Beer was
1: was refusing to cooperate with losing during that. <laughs> yeah, there's so many so many great moments. I think. Simone Facy, Annie McLaughlin, 2004, 200. Donovan Powell, Danny England, 1990. Um, there's some I missed. I missed some. I'd have loved to have seen Lennox Miller, Una Morris, Neville Mighton at Champ 64 65. I heard they were incredible. Dennis Johnson waving to the KC fans at Sabina Park in 58, taking the Class 1 sprint double. Some big ones. We missed some big ones, and of course, Norman in nineteen eleven, winning everything for GSC. So we've missed some big ones, Delta. Yeah, but um, yeah. <laughs> some great. Um, Frank Smith versus Ovid Byfield, class one shot put and discus, nineteen ninety nine. That was special. Champ seventy nine for a seven foot jump. Um, late Desmond Zellie, Morris, KSC, um, in a big champs. Bert Cameron loses ian stapleton 46 1979 so some classics there have been some classics um there have been some classic moments for first sub 40. um some good ones Champs is exciting
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, well listen for, for me that that champs 2010 was was special for so many different reasons um it is one that i talk about to this day you know, obviously uh had had their woman's day the other day and again i was just remembering you know what they did with the
1: team with the size that's 10 years ago that's yeah 10 years ago. with the with the, the size team that they had at the time you know Champs is very interesting woman's is about 1400 boys and when you look at champs, it's the schools with more spaces for boys that win the most. The Calabar, JC, KCR schools near on 2,000 in each case. Um, when you look at the champs, boys champs history, Excelsior once, San Diego two, Clarendon College three. Mm-hmm. Those are the only college schools to win boys champs. I mean, those schools just have less boys. And if you try for football and track in the school, then you stretch out your cohort of boys who want to play sport in your school. Cricket maybe be a, a, a number three. So those big schools dominate because they have, I think, a built-in advantage for size. But they do do a great job.
0: Let me give you another tough one that I'm sure you didn't prepare for. Well, you probably did. You're Hubert Lawrence. So you, you've you've covered quite a number of sports in events. Well, you've covered a lot of track and field, certainly. Give me your three most memorable moments in commentary outside of, you know, boys and girls athletic championships.
1: Um, Penn, um, Calabar, 720 for 4x8 last year. Um, Shelly Fraser Price, Beijing, her 100, jumping for joy afterward, like she lost <laughs> her mind. <laughs> uh, and that was a one, two, two. I mean, I thought that was stunning um, for her to become the first Jamaica to win the Olympic 100 for women. I mean, that was stunning. I went to work. I don't know which one was first, the men's or the women's 100 was first. Whenever I traveled downtown, I have a France 98 World Cup shirt I was packing my bag and I worked to work in Beijing, and yeah. they wanted to tear things off me. So no, my, you can't <laughs> get this. <laughs> you can't get this. So um, the the Calabar four by eight, um Shelly's hundred of all the moments, and the the maybe the big one for me if I have to pick only three. I was I was on the phone for Kales when Bolt ran 9.72 in New York. And there was the meet was late because there was a, a Doppler alert and they stopped the meet for a while. And it came back late and it was weird. The flags were like, yeah, this is 1.4. And when Tyson gets out of the drive phase, out of the drive phase, when he, when he glimpses across, Bolt is out of the drive phase at the same time. 9.72 takes down a suffers 9.74 and the world is different. So maybe that's the top one boat 972 New York and you knew that the world was different and I, and I was on I was on commentary in New York on the phone to KLS that was a special one and then of course because the meet is late this is the first time I'm saying this in public now because the meet is late Dalton no one else is talking but me in New York uh. all the media stations are off here I'm live on the phone to KLS at the time um, special moment Lots of special moments, but that boat 972, um, you knew that the world was not going to be the same after this. Hubert mm. usually
0: do this. I'm going to call some names and you tell me what's your impression of these persons. Are you ready for this one? Okay. Gonna try. <laughs> Dion
1: Hemmings. Um, fantastic lady. You know. Not even OM yet. Yeah, Fantastically, barrier breaker. Um, for her to do what she did in 1996 and to come back with the silver in 2000, that's still the best record in the Olympic Games at Women's Four Hurdles. Underappreciated champion. Mm.
0: Merlin Joyce Otte.
1: Evergreen, um, her birthday is in May, turned 60 earlier this month. A, a running machine. I once saw her training at the stadium. I got tired just watching her. Um, A running machine and a fantastic lady. She came from Mutual Games once, I tell you. You know where Chinese is in New Kingston, near to the gas station? Used to be Fin Sack right at that corner by the stoplights now? Yeah. I used to work work down that direction. She couldn't cross the road because the traffic was, I held her hand and crossed her across the road. (laughs) (laughs) That's my very naughty moment. Fantastic sprinter, evergreen, ten seven four at thirty-six. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and and she and she kept on going for a while, didn't she?
1: Skipper, if you she's the first sub-7 indoors, she still has a world record for 200 indoors. Um near on 70 sub sub-Elevens. Um robbed in the eighties, East Germans um with their well-documented no steroid program if not for them people would would, would look at their record differently unfortunate yeah yeah
0: juliet cutbert
1: I've, I've worked with juliet broadcast lovely person um straight talker wonderful sprinter um one at every level one of my favorite people Juliet Cuthbert.
0: um i'm going to go back to somebody of call
1: michael mcdonald mikey wow what a family mcdonald family michael was one of those guys who was kind of a pioneer um he stayed at home after vertech moved down the road from Vertec to jamalca and put oliver rabbit haywood and ran some 45s and is part of that big national record 4x4 team i call him big mac big heart powerful brave good man michael mcdonald Another
0: one for your Raymond Stewart.
1: I call him the swift one. Um, he is factory. Didn't call him Sprinter, just call him factory. <laughs> Picture perfect, first sub 10 for Jamaica, um, and consistently good. You, you get people who are good for a short period of time. Raymond was in finals from when now? 1984 right up to 1995. Consistently fast.
0: And, and what a lot of people don't know, I mean, certainly that, that's my time growing up, that Raymond was the guy for us, certainly in the sprints.
1: Whoa. Um, Raymond did the sprint double at Champs at Sabina Park, 83. That's the last time Champs wasn't inside the stadium until 2002. He was beautiful to watch. Beautiful.
0: Yeah, you have gone to 2002, and I won't go to Bolt. I'm going to go with Anisha McCluckin.
1: Even now, a delightful lady, very, very, very fast, second at that World Juniors, always smiling. Um, when Anisha got an Olympic medal in 2016, I was really, really happy because she had stayed at it. She's she behind that pleasant exterior is someone I think is very, very determined and a delightful young woman as well, Anisha McLaughlin.
0: Ebert, we have had a lot of youngsters who we thought would have made it to the, the, the highest level. Some, some, some haven't made it for whatever reason. Now we have Brianna Williams. Give me your thoughts on her.
1: You know, to digress, you know, that's worldwide. It is. That people. It is. It, is. it is. When you look at the World Juniors results, um, the stars of the World Juniors say 2010. Some of them disappear because that's the process of life worldwide. Specifically now, fantastic, Brianna Williams, for a youngster to do what she has done and to make progress through it. Um, And to look like now she is now away from the juniors and is now latched on to the seniors. And remember the seniors in our case are the best sprinters on earth. (laughs) That's major. Her sprint double at the World Juniors 2018 Only two others have done that, including Veronica Campbell. Um, A lot of potential. Um, So far, her coach, Atta Bolden, has done with her nothing wrong, has made every step correct so far. And I think she's well-coached, well-guided, and she's going to be a hit.
0: I'd like to ask this question, Hubie, especially when a veteran is is, is on this podcast. And the wicked <laughs> and, and one who has witnessed so, some great actions. You know, what advice would you give young athletes coming up? Uh, not just Jamaicans, because I have a lot of persons from the Caribbean who listen to this podcast.
1: I interviewed Randy Fagan. He had just regained the national table tennis title in 1991. And in on the normal, start question, how, how do you do this? How do you keep this up? And Randy comes up with practice, 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 and then practice some more. There's no shortcut. And sometimes you're at a disadvantage when you go only to the track meet. In your various capacities, in my amusements, when you go to practice, you see the work. When you go to MVP, at 6 a.m. in the morning, Sprint Tech, 6 o'clock in the morning, races if you can get in that time in the morning. The people are doing the work. Um, I'm from Spanish town. Whenever St. Diego is going to win championships, when you're in your taxi going to get your bus early, the boys are on the road doing the road work. There is no way around the work. If you don't do the work, any success you have is temporary. Have fun, sport is fun, but you have to do the work. And so both for sport and for everything else, don't be afraid to do the work. In Jamaica, we have so many quality coaches. GC Foster is 40 years old this year, 2020 the first group, Danny Hawthorne, Michael Clark, um, Wendell Downswell. So many quality coaches spread across the island that the quality instruction is pretty good from parish to parish to parish. And so when the youngster joins his high school track team, follow the coach's instructions, generally speaking, and do the work and I mean, you should get a college scholarship at the least out of it. And for that special group, that 5% who are going to join the national team and get to World Finals, Olympic Finals, and get to the podium, do the work, follow the work.
0: Yeah. And and I'm going to assume that's the same thing for any youngster who wants to get into this field of of journalism, one, in general. And and then secondly, if they want to do analyst work, uh, what the Americans call call color commentary.
1: (laughs) It's, it's, It's... When you look at the people who are good at anything, they do the work for fun. They enjoy what they're doing. Um, they know when to take breaks, when to go to the beach, eat some fish, go to the movies, and so on, take a break from it. But you have to do the work. Um, let's take something like championships, which is four and a half days of, of, of duty rusted. Um, if you're not ready not just facts and figures, but storylines. Who are the special people? Um, That requires work. And the beauty with something like Champs is that the weekly meets are there for you to go to, so you can see and recognize people and know what color is Clarendon as different from what color is Innswood. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You you, you can't do that unless you go to the meets. You have to go, you have to read, you have to listen. you don't know everything, so you have to accept that. Um, uh, the people who are interested in doing stuff like that have to be, have to like the sport enough to want to go to a track meet or sometimes two or three every Saturday from January morning.
0: You know, Hubert, there's, there's an athlete I, I wanted to mention earlier and I actually forgot and wanted to get your impression of her. She's a non-Jamaican out of St. Lucia, St. Catherine High School,
1: Julian Alfred. Wow, I know Julian. Um, I keep close watch on St Catherine High School as well. They've got a great setup there and a um, great coach and great team management out at St Catherine and St John's Road. Um, Used to ride bicycle passes. as a little boy as well, so I know the place well. She's she's got something. She's got something, and uh, she came to Jamaica because she wanted to come to the place where that thing that she has could be honed. She has gone to Texas. That's where Joanne Cuthbert went to school, Merlin Fraser, um, Sandy Richards went to Texas um, because she felt that that was the place. And the coach there, who coached Omar McLeod not so long ago, this is Edric Florial, he reckoned she has something. This year, She was going into the NCAA Indoor Championships as the fastest collegiate sprinter with 60 meters in America. She has something, and she's determined to bring it out. Um, Saint Lucia does not have a long history of outstanding athletes. They're pretty good in the high jump, have a couple of good, really good high jumpers. Spencer was here here to make for World Juniors in 2002. She's been Commonwealth champion, Pan Am champion. Good jumper, But I think Alfred has something, um, and I wish her well. That's the same school, too, that Kevona Davis is going to. So, (laughs) look out for for Texas. That's (laughs) a big big side. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Hubert,
0: you you know, the the last question I really wanted to ask you, well, I think it's Rashika who wanted me to ask you this. How do you keep all the statistics in your
1: head? Memory is very treacherous. (laughs) Memory is treacherous. you forget more than you learn. Um, The key shot is to refresh it. Um, Treat each year as a a clean sheet and refresh as much as you can. Um, I watch lots of video. I record everything on track and field that comes on the television as far as I can, I can manage. And I watch everything again because memory is treacherous. Um, but the other thing is that I, I love the sport. I love sport and I love track and field. So it's not, it doesn't hurt me to do it. It's not laborious. Um, I have a good memory, but memory is treacherous and you have to refresh it.
0: Hubert Lawrence, thank you very much for for joining us on this episode. I I really appreciate it.
1: It's been a real pleasure. Um, you know, you don't walk alone. You know that
0: <laughs> you you will you, never walk alone.
1: <laughs> we can get Rochika a red shirt, man. She uh, she seems like a nice girl.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, I'm working on it. By the end of this um podcasting, I'm I'm sure I'll convert her. Blue is my
1: favorite color, personally, but my 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 football is is Liverpool. So. We can we can get Roshika, Richard. <laughs> no, no, no,
0: not a problem. Uh, on behalf of the production team, thanks for joining us on this episode of the Drive Phase podcast. And to my friend, Kimberly Rudder, promoter Barbados, who really pushed me to get uh, Hubert Lawrence. Not that she needed to push me that much. She kept on saying, you have to get Hubert Lawrence on the podcast And I said, okay, cool. We'll get it done. I
1: had to get off my coronavirus beard before I came on the broadcast as well. (laughs)
0: Thanks, Kimberly. (laughs) So, guys, uh, check out our website. It is thedrivephase.com. Make sure to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts. That is really, really crucial for us. Uh, Leave a review there. And also, leave a review and subscribe to the Google Podcasts or Stitcher. Uh, So you'll never miss an episode. Remember, remember, we'd appreciate our ratings on any one of the podcasts that you use. Go tell a friend about the show so they too can spread the word. Feel free to send feedback, comments, or questions to thedrivephase at gmail.com. Look us up. We're on Twitter. We're at thedrivephaseja. And on Facebook, we're at thedrivephase and remember we're also on instagram we're everywhere that you want a podcast and on twitter ensure you use the hashtag tdp until next time see you then